Welcome to the Carmen Murray Show, where we have conversations about 21st century business and culture. Here in the Murray Den, we'll open a window into a world of things that intrigue and inspire. Share stories of excitement, hope, bravery, courage, and resilience. And now, from the Solid Gold Studios, let's level up, lean in, and get Murray with your host, Carmen Murray, as we let curiosity lead us down new paths. Hey, Future Fit Tribe, welcome back to the Carmen Murray Show. Oh my goodness, do we have a show prepared for you? You are now in the Murray Den, where we're going to get Murray and happy (laughs) (laughs) and um, I am absolutely honored to have Brent Linda Q with us today and he is the good things guy if anybody knows knows him it's the good things guy but before I well first of all Brent welcome thank you I'm super excited to be here Little nervous. <laughs> Why? I, I'm, I'm not sure what's uh, what's going to happen, but I, 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 whatever's going to happen, I think is going to be fun. Of course, it's going to be fun. I love you. You're in the Murray Den, right? Murray Den. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've actually, I mean, I've been watching you for years, but specifically in the last year, you've really started resonating with me. I don't know why. But from a from a personal perspective, I just like I don't. It's like that yearning for. Oh my gosh, they, there's there's a deeper meaning to life. Like you know, we have to be good. That you know, I don't know. Do I, you find? I kind of feel that the, the, this is the first year where I, I'm taking myself seriously, and uh, I've, good things, guys. Turning four on the first of August. Um, well done. Which is very exciting. But for the first three years, I really treated it like a hobby. So it was really just me plowing away, writing stories. I, I mean, I had a team behind me that were helping as well. Mm-hmm. But but it was really like I was playing a game, like it was a hobby. And and 2019 is the first year where I, I'm taking myself more seriously. I'm I'm uh, I'm noticing the corporates are, and I think that's why maybe ah. for the first for the first time on this journey. There's brands that really want to support my my idea, and uh, and they want to help help good things go achieve good things, and I think I think that changes the game a little bit. Maybe. I know, I know. I mean, I mean, we're going to get into that in the show. I mean, some of the stories, and also some of my clients, my ex clients that you know I've seen working or. I'm, well, let's not get into that because we have an international audience. We have to take everybody <laughs> on this journey now with us. Okay, okay. So we need to take you on the journey. <laughs> All right, so. For for you guys that don't know, so um, Brent has been one of the most loved people in South Africa. Um, he brings the nation together and he's spreading so much positive energy um, into our universe and our social media verses and twizzes and gosh, gosh knows where. Wherever you look, it's there. And you were announced as one of the most influential influencers in South Africa, best essay blog of the year, two years in a row. Plus the best blog in South Africa and top twenty-five in our entire continent, therefore Africa. And yeah, what? That I mean, the, the words coming out of your mouth just make me feel a little bit overwhelmed. That I mean, it is really. I'm not even through the list yet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> only got it started here. Well, listen, and you were category winner, social enterprise and philanthropy. You were also on My Kitchen Rules of Africa, which I watched. <laughs> you were a force to be reckoned with. For the high tea, you guys were bribing everybody. On- Good grief. Good grief. <laughs> Do you remember the high tea? Well, I mean, that was two years ago, but what a journey. Uh, reality TV is a whole <laughs> other 
Kettle of fish. Yeah, I've got some questions. Then you made this one for me. This was recently. You made the list of 100 young Mandelas of the future placed on five categories, compassion, creativity, leadership, resilience, and vision. Yeah, that was that was on Mandela Day, the biggest mainstream media platform in South Africa, uh, News 24, put this list together. It's the, it's the second time they've done it. And um, I don't know, I'm, I made the list and I'm not sure how. Oh. You know, it's just, um, <laughs> it's very it's very humbling to know that uh, the, the work that I do and that I'm doing is is being noticed. Mm. So it, it has, it's been a tough journey. You know, I, I never studied journalism, but um, I, I'm a journalist now. And, and I've been in the space for, on Good Things Guy for four years, working on radio for five years. And, and it's a lot of, it takes a lot of work, you know, right? Mm. I'm waking up every day at Hoppers Five, uh, plowing away <laughs> to get, get stuff done and it doesn't end. And, and just to be recognized and, and for someone to pat you on the back, it makes it all worthwhile. It means what you're doing yeah. matters, which it's, is cool. That's super cool. It is very cool. You know what I love about what you're doing is it's like, it's not, it's not a fame thing for you. It came from a deep, Fame doesn't exist, eh? That, Purpose-driven thing. <laughs> I know, but you know, you can de- definitely tell when somebody's after fame and when somebody's really invested in what they do. Well, thank and you. That's a, that's, a hu- that's a huge compliment. Um, I mean, really. But I mean, I'm not here to, to blow smoke down your ass. I'm just going to try and get <laughs> to the point. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've got so many questions. Okay, so although I feel like I'm sitting with um, Madiba himself, I'm, go- I'm going to um, take it back or not. Good grief, yeah. No, I'm just an average guy. <laughs> there you go. The good things guy. Okay, so every day you are sharing people's stories of hope, goodness, love, and you unify people. But I think we need to to dive into you as a human being and as a person and your journey, where it all started. But I think more importantly, let's start from the beginning. So I, I, just before we came on air, I said this is such a perfect time to, to be discussing that because I have been doing a lot of soul searching. I had a, I had a really prominent hero in the journalistic world who uh, every now and then we, we sit down and we have coffee together and we just catch up and, and sort of chat about what's happening in South Africa and where it's going and, and where we are. And, and a couple of months ago, there was a, she's written amazing books and, and uh, she's done such great work in South Africa. Uh, Mandy Wiener is just... Oh, Mandy, she was on my show yeah. a while ago. Yeah, she's, she's just, amazing. She's an amazing human being. And a couple of months ago, we started chatting about the idea of putting a book together for me. And, and the whole idea behind a book would be to tell, maybe take like 12 great stories that we've covered on Good Things Guy and, and, and just dig deeper and maybe understand what the common thread is between these people that do good. And, and we've chatted about it and sort of thought about it and these things. And we, we, I met her a couple of weeks ago and she said, scrap that. That's not the book. That's not the book at all. The book is you and and how you became the good things guy. So I've been, I, it, there's nothing set in stone and it might never happen, but um, I've been doing a bit of soul searching and I, and I have got a deadline that I need. I to love put, those oh, deadlines. Good grief. Um, I haven't had <laughs> a, a deadline since varsity. Are you joking? Um, so yeah, we, I've been, I've been piecing things together and, um, and finding out who I am and, and what made this happen. So great, great time to be talking about it because I'm, I'm in that space right now. And so oh, your, your question, what, what is your question? When did it start? How did ah, it start? So I want to go way back. So tell me about brains as a little boy. Where did you grow up? 
Where did you go to school? I could, I could Were be, you a goody two-shoes? Oh, good grief, no. When I do talks and I stand up, I, I talk about how average I am because I am the epitome of what an average person is. Uh, grew up in the south of Johannesburg. Um, and for those of you, uh, you, you might not know the south, but the south is rough. <laughs> like we, where we grew up, it was hardcore. It's sink or swim. And I grew up with brothers and sisters and uh, average family. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was seven or eight, uh, two separate houses. We didn't have a lot of money. So, so growing up, uh, I mean, again, and I'm, I'm digging into, um, soul searching here, but there were, there were many moments in my life where I had to go without because I just didn't have. And yeah, uh, went to government school, uh, started working when I was 14 or 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just to, just so that I could have my own sort of income and, and mm. have my own money to do things. Um, and and yeah, uh, where did I go to school? Mareflian. Mareflian. Do you know? Are you Afrikaans? Not at all. Maak in Italy praat. So it's a rechter Afrikaans. Rechter. Wow. Because I, nice. I went to a, a bilingual school. But do you, this is crazy. So so Mareflian. I went there. I went to Elberview Primary. Yeah. Uh, and then when my parents got divorced, I moved to Dinwiddie Primary because changed schools, changed where I lived, all those things. And then I went to Mareflian and I, w- I was in Mareflian for five years, then at six to matric. And during that time, and my classmates as well, no one knew why the school was called Mareflian. Yeah. We were like, it was, it was probably just some, some guy that did something great. No, he was one of our prime ministers <laughs> at some point. So I learned that only like four years ago. That, that interesting fact. Was I, was I a good kid? Um, I was a kid and I was mis- mischievous and, uh, pfft, I don't know, drank vodka at school. Um, From the age of 14? Maybe like 15, 16. I was, I was like a kid, you know, so doing kid things and experimenting and, and, uh, school marks were good. I'm, I'm a really good listener and, uh, I'm able to, to process information quite well. I like to think that I used to have a photograph or that, that I have a photographic memory, but I think as age comes, that goes. Mm. So, so yeah, I average grew up in the South. Um, a great upbringing though. Like even though, even though we had to go without and, and uh, it, you can find that information in my book. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, even though we had to go go without, there were really amazing people around me mm. that that crafted and sculpted uh, me into the human being I am today. And and you know, my mom, my dad, my gran. Mm. Um, there was there was a lady that looked after me called Lizzie uh, when I was younger. And and all those people just they make you who you are. Yeah. Um, you, in your formative years, that's the best learning years. Mm. And I think uh, everything that I am now is just a, a replication of people before me. Yeah. I think it's just this, um, this, I'm a shadow. I'm a shadow of other people. Tell me, I mean, I, I've never gone through that situation, but I, I can definitely relate on the poverty side. Also grew, grew up very poor. I think my obsession with clothing started when I became an adult because everything I had was hand-me-downs from yeah. three generations. and And somehow it left a lot of insecurities within me. Do you find, even though you had good relationship with your mom and your dad, do you find that you might have had some scars? Were there things that during that time, although you had a brilliant upbringing, well, I mean, I, I can I can point out you talk about insecurities and and sort of scars, but my self worth, wherever that is now, uh, for a very long time, my self worth was found in a pair of guest jeans. Wow! Like because when I was younger, I could never afford good jeans, so I was wearing like Mr. P stuff. 
And, and <laughs> Mr. Peace on you. you. We had to find a new one. It's like AC Kerman. AC yeah, Kerman. No, you had to say like. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have like the most expensive, most great um, jeans. And for the longest time, like when I started working properly uh, during varsity, I was, I was uh, working during the day and then I was going to varsity at night. At the second time, because I dropped out the first time. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, as soon as I could afford it, I, I started buying guest jeans. And and the most premium ones, like the most expensive mm. ones. I can relate. And it was, it was like, that's where I found my self-worth. Until one day I realized that um, our self-worth is not in things or possessions mm. or, or even in our minds. Uh, that's ego. And ego is a very ugly thing. Ego, mm. ego can be a very terrible thing. And it was the day that I realized I was wasting money on super expensive jeans that didn't last mm. where I found the self-worth was really within myself. And um, and now I think I'm wearing Mr. P jeans. <laughs> you know, but I've, that's I've, awesome. But you're driving a Land Rover uh, pff, or Range that, Rover. That, 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 that doesn't the Range Rover. It was like matter. the estate announcement. Range, <laughs> Range, Range Rover doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. No, I'm joking. But but yeah. So I mean, that was an insecurity that I carried around with me for a very long time. Is that I thought because I was wearing an expensive pair of clothing, um, that it made me better than than who I am or, or who I was. And the reality, the truth is. That nothing there's there's nothing that can can make you you are so who true. you are yeah. and and I'll say it again ego is a horrible horrible thing because that's what plays in your mind yeah. maybe it's the way that I that I got over that through time is to to realize that the voice in my head is not me. Mm. Um, to become aware that I can be aware of it. Mm. I love what you're saying because you know. Um, I think because I can, I can completely relate. So I must tell you a story. So the other day I did the training course and then somehow this lady said to me, Oh my gosh, you must make contact with this lady, Sky Mendez. She's like the stylist and she, she, but she, she heals your soul through her styling. I was like, really? This, this is, is interesting. I mean, no, uh, I could go for that. What uh, is that? <laughs> no, it was. So she comes and she came to my, closet and she literally she's all about protecting the planet and making sure that you don't throw clothing away or have all that you buy responsibly because we need to protect the planet but also is that your obsession with clothing has to do with a deep rooted issue that you need to deal with wow and that's crazy that was like and then when i started like talking about the the things that happened the abuse and all that kind of stuff when I started going into that, she was like, you have been using clothing as your drug yeah, to try and, and, and hide it. And I, I, and I mean, I'm not saying everybody's the same, but I mean, for me, I think that the first trigger for me was the fact not always being like feeling less and myself, as you say, my self-worth was measured on how do I look? Yeah, but, it's that, it's that, and you said the word less, it's the feeling of being less than yeah, not understanding and understanding comes with time and experience and all sorts of it's it's so complex but uh, no one is less than mm. we're all put on this planet exactly the same even if someone's got you. other circumstances and um if someone's better or worse we're we're all human 100. Um, at the end of the day and and we have the world of opportunity uh, to be able to create something for ourselves that that isn't doesn't make us less than 
Yeah, and I mean, like, I think, uh, but for thy grace, like when you see other people and see that some people don't even have shoes and things, I mean, yeah. you have to get yourself grounded. And then we live in the perspective. 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 That you know should be a you, chapter in your book. You know what gives you perspective is travel. Oh is yes. Travel. And oh I'm, yes. Thank you for adding that because it should be a chapter in my book. <laughs> in my book. Um, you know. So again, I, I never ever travelled before. Really. Uh, before school. Uh, before I finished school, I, I never left the country. And when I, I finished school, I got into varsity. Uh, back then it was still called Rao. Ranse Afrikaans Universiteit, which it's now called UJ, which I think is quite sad. It's oh, like, it's not. They, like, they're part of our partners now. They're amazing. I love, I love UJ, but I just miss Rao, you know, that Rao. I mean, Rao had a, had a, had a yeah. ring to it. Anyway, I didn't go there because I was only there for a couple of months and then I dropped out. And when I dropped out, my, my dad was so angry with me. It was, I, I, he was fuming. Why did you drop out? I wasn't ready to study. I'd gone into, I got accepted to university. I'd registered and, and then I drank for three months. I was in the student dorms. We were partying. I was mm. down in Melville. Uh, I think I went to three classes in like four months. I just, I just, sure. I wasn't ready to study. Uh, it was, you know, I'm f- first time being an adult, which is not real. Um, you're still a kid and I didn't know what I wanted to be. Very interesting because you grew up poor. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was just, I was a kid and I just wanted to have fun. So I, I dropped out and then my, my dad was really angry. My mom understood. My mom was like, she gets it. You're going to do different things at different times in your life. And, um, and my dad gave me an ultimatum. He said, you either go back to school Mm. or you get a job. There's, there's no two ways about it. You're not going to sit around and do nothing. And a real job, not yeah. at the time I was working for like a, a wedding venue in Alberton oh, on a Thursday, dreadful. Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. Um, a good, best, best of times, but not a real job. Like yeah. it's, it's, you're still sleeping until 11 o'clock every day. And, and through that process, I found an opportunity to go overseas, uh, to go to the States and work, work in um, the whole East Coast. We traveled the whole East Coast. And, and that was the first opportunity in my life, the first time that I'd ever got this ex- opportunity to travel, climbed onto a plane by myself and off I went to America for a year, grew up a million times over, came back after that year, spent a couple of months in South Africa, uh, but I felt like I hadn't finished my journey in America. So I went back. Uh, the first year was the whole East Coast. So uh, from New York, I went up to um, Boston, uh, Skowhegan, Maine, <laughs> which is like in the middle of nowhere, but it's near Canada. Um, and yeah. then back down uh, North Carolina, South Carolina uh, into Florida. Florida, I fell in love with. And, oh, and the second year that I went um, back, I went to Florida, found a job in a country club, very fancy. Um, <laughs> the country club was in Boca, Boca Raton, and I lived in Fort Lauderdale. And every weekend I was going down to Miami to go like to South Beach and just living the life. Like it was really a great experience. But the second year that I went, I did my biggest growing up because I realized that uh, all my friends were progressing in life and like mm. they were getting their degrees. I didn't even have a, a car license mm. because I'd just been so lax after yeah. school. And, and I made a conscious decision to come back to South Africa and, and be conscious with my time and, and my focus and my energy. And I got a job. I worked at a designer Italian clothing store during the day. And at night I went to varsity and, and working oh, wow. on my, yeah, working on my marketing degree, which I didn't get either. 
we, bizarre. Uh, I never finished my degree. But I don't think it, just like clothing, I don't think a degree defines you. No, so it it doesn't. And definitely the where I find myself now, I studied for two and a half years um, towards a marketing degree. I'm six months away, mm. but uh, I got, I got offered the most incredible position. Um, it literally fell on, onto my lap mm. and uh, it was to run the events for uh, a company. Um, head office was in Cape Town. The other office was here in Joburg on Kalami racetrack to, to run the full events for them, uh, sure. where we allowed people to drive Dodge V6 450 brake horsepower Formula 3 cars. Oh my um, how God. do you, like, how do you say no to that? <laughs> we, we were partners with the A1 GP. Um, we got to experience a lot of racing and it was just this whole other world that had been opened up and the salary was insane. And I was like, I'm going to take it. And because I have to now move to the north, I'm not going to be able to get to school anymore, to varsity. And, and also the hours were just insane. Um, but it was, those were some of the best years of my life. Uh, and I started off in, as the event manager. And within a year or two, I became um, branch manager for Joe Bird. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was just such an experience. It was really um, crazy. I don't know where the question was or where we were going. No, but we were, <laughs> this, is, this is good where we're going. This is the whole... <laughs> Oh my God. Like on a tangent. <laughs> but it's, but it, but, the, but it's so interesting that you say that. Like, I think like hospitality or anything in events or those long hours, it teaches you a, a thing about tenacity. Like if you look at, um, Richard Mulholland, if you look at, yeah. um, Dion Chang, myself, we've, we've all worked in the hospitality of those long hours. It's the long hours and it's also the plan B mentality. The, it, exactly. So you, crisis the, the, management. There is no, in your mind, you can, project plan until the cows come home yeah but the reality is something may may go wrong and usually does yeah and in that instance you need to have a plan b c d and e and you need to like a duck on water yeah you need to be so calm and ready to take on everything but underneath the water (laughs) those legs are flapping like no one's business and that's That's the events industry really taught me that working on the racetrack was extremely stressful um, and expensive. So to hire the racetrack was disgusting amounts of money. Mm. And they only gave us two hours to be on the racetrack. So you could train, um, to train all the, these guys that are like guys, a guys and girls. Stop kind of totally. Up, hey? And they get onto the track and then you've got to make sure that no one crashes. You're putting people into race cars. You still got to control them. And, and then you have to maximize that time on track while still being cognizant of the fact that these guys are not race car drivers and they can only do like 18 minutes at a time when they and then they start losing concentration and start getting tired so yeah and and then the event ends at five six o'clock in the evening and then it turns into a big party because they've all just won a race right (laughs) so it becomes this um this amazing party until the early hours of the morning and it was a great it was just some of the greatest time of my life working at fantastic racing they don't exist anymore, but it was a great, it was a great time. Well, we're giving them a shout out because they've, they've set you up somewhere the, the in M- your life. The MD of Fantastic Racing, uh, a woman by the name of Julie Brown, was such a great mentor mm. during my time there. And, and now I've, what is it? Maybe 10 years, I don't know, 10 years, nine years. I don't know that I haven't worked there, uh, that I've gone on my own and done my own thing. And, and she's become one of my best friends. Oh. Which wow. is just insane, right? The MD of the company and I just, we got along so well. She's so great. And that's a big punt for her. Julie Brown, I hope you're listening. There you go. There's your shout out. <laughs> With almost the way that I'm saying that, it didn't come out that great. <laughs>
Was there ever a time in your life where you felt lost? Yes. Talk totally. to me about it. So uh, a couple of reasons. First, uh, the first would obviously be uh, I am gay. So, and I'm openly gay and I'm not scared of that now. Mm. But for a very long time I was. And, um, and that played a huge part of my self-worth and where I belong and, and all of those great big questions that we ask ourselves. Mm. But when you are six, seven, eight years old and you know you're different and you've got no one to look up to, mm. you've got no one around you and you've got no understanding, uh, I was completely lost. And, and yes, so uh, jokes about drinking at high school um, and we joke about me going to varsity. I, I just found myself mm. uh, when I started varsity and I'd come out and there was this whole other world that had opened up. There was the, the beautiful, most funnest, gayest bar in Melbourne <laughs> uh, called O that I used to go to every Friday night. Like, like it was this whole other world. So I think that played a huge role in that change and the evolution of me. But first and foremost, yes, I spent a lot of, a lot of my years lost uh, I spent a lot of time soul searching and I spent a lot of time asking God to make me normal, which is, it's, oh. that's not a, that's not a unique thing, by the way. No, it's so not. If I, no. if I speak to a lot of, um, a lot of my friends or peers or people that have come out, uh, we spend a lot of time trying to fit in and whatever, whatever that takes, cause we lost back there. I think it's different now and I hope it's different now. I hope that if, there's a, a eight-year-old or nine-year-old that kind of has a sense that they're different, that they have role models to look up to and that they feel comfortable. I, I know there's kids in school now that come out super, super early and mm. it's because they feel comfortable. Yeah. So was I lost? Yes. Uh, that's one of the reasons. Secondly, um, I think that when we go, not necessarily to varsity because not everybody goes to university or college, but when we get to a point where we need to decide what we're going to do for our re the rest of our lives, we're too young. Mm, it's not a, so it's not a reality, yeah. right? So you finish school and then all of a sudden you've got to be something. Um, and, and that pressure, how do you know what you're going to be forever when you're 18 or 17 or 16? Um, so I think there was a level of being lost there as well uh, during those, those years. And crazy enough, when I, when I registered for varsity, it was for a, a general BCom. And then the second time I was adamant that I wanted to be a marketer and marketing and advertising is, is what I needed to get into. And, and I sit here at 34 years old with half a degree and I'm a journalist that has won awards for being one of the best in Africa. Like that's, that's my point, right? Yeah. So, so how can you decide at such a young age? Yes, lost again. But you know, you're touching on something so amazing. I saw this, uh, oh, I love Goldcast. I'm so obsessed with Goldcast. They, 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 they've done it well. Like they've, whatever they've done, <laughs> they've done well. You should be on Goldcast, like really. They, they, it's only if they pick up on a, on a great juicy bit of interview. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> this is, this is where it's happening. This is, it's happening. It's going down right now. So I watched it. It was a few days ago and it, hit me for the first time in my life because you know you go through your life and you're like where do I fit in where what am I supposed to do is this the right path and then you you dabble with things until you find yourself and there was this um this lady she I can't remember what she wanted to study she was doing her talk at varsity she wanted to study something and one day this lady came to her and said to her listen you're going to be a Miss Universe one day come to me, I'm going to train you. And she thought she was crazy. And she says, there's no freaking way. And all she was caring about was 
um, just getting a degree. And then eventually what happened was she did this whole thing. Um, she studied through all of the tribulations, got a degree, and it was hard, didn't have money, all of that. But then she went back to a story and she said when she was at school, her mom said to her, um, she wanted to do school running, track running. And her mom said to her, okay, cool, you can go and do it. And she, they were poor. And her mom's, and she said, begged her mom, she said, mom, can you buy me a pair of shoes? And her mom bought her a pair of Nike shoes, but two sizes too big. And she gave it to her and she said to her, here's your shoes. And she says, mom, it doesn't fit me. Why, why would you buy me these shoes? And her, her mom answered her and said, you will run until you fit into these shoes. And um, she started running in the first race. She fell down and it was too big. And as she got older, she started fitting into these shoes. And she says, that's how our lives are. Our lives are like that. It's like, you know, you grow up, you don't know where you're going to fit in. Yeah. You don't know what your career is going to be like. You, and, and you grow into yourself where you are that good person, where you are the person that you are meant to be and destined to be on this planet. And for me, that was a very profound moment. I mean, it really, I get goosebumps just talking about it. I'm actually, I'm actually um, guys, I'm going to put it in the link below so that you can actually go and watch it. But I mean, yeah, it'll be great to see, you know, the, I mean, we speak about these moments that matter because when you're whatever age you are, uh, your belief system at that time is important, right? Mm. So if you're 14 and you're not fitting in and you're not understanding, that's, that's the biggest uh, challenge that you're facing at that time. Mm. But if I can say now where I am, 34 years old, I've never been more comfortable with who I am. I've never um, been more, more proud of myself, mm. which is, I mean, to be proud, like, find your own pride. And, and I've never been happier I think I don't, I don't, uh, I don't need anything to make me feel better about who I am because I am enough. You are enough. And you know what I love is that it, like every morning when you wake up and you've got an award or you've been announced on some list or whatever, you're like, I cannot believe this is happening. I, but I can't. And I'm like, you know, you approach things with, not with expectation, but with humbleness. Like it's, it's, a very, it's so. I, I, I literally cannot believe how blessed I am and how much, um, how much has happened in my life. That's just so good. I get to do, I get to do what I love every single day. How many people can say that? Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Just to be able to wake up every morning and be like, I love this. Absolutely. <laughs> One million percent. And you live it. Oh, well, thank you. You live it. I think that's what, make, what makes a difference. Um, the one question I actually wanted to ask you, have you ever felt that you're not being heard though? So before this year, yeah, um, it's it's tricky because I'm. It's funny. Good things, guys, at a space now where it's it's moving from uh, being a blog to being news um, mm. and a news site, and and I feel like I don't know how to break into that space. So for a long time, I've been working on that, and. Yeah, I, I guess that's sort of it. Is is that's the space that it's in right now? The the platform's grown and uh, it it keeps getting shared, and I think more people are hearing about it. I don't know how to answer that. You know what? I, what I've noticed when I start when you know when you see the good stories, and you're usually the first one. How you get them first? I don't know. You're no one the, knows. <laughs> 
<laughs> top secret. <laughs> you get those stories before anybody else, and then you're like, okay, this is not fake it news. Good news. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> it. You know, it's not fake news. You click on it, and you know you're gonna feel great. And it's literally when you see the good things, guy, you stop, and you're like, okay, I've life. got five minutes. Let me just quickly see if I can just quickly scroll. That. Thank thing. you. Thank so um, the only reason um, we exist, and, and now we have become a business, uh, there's writers that write um, the news and, and they research and all these things. But the only reason why we can continue doing that is because people keep reading. Mm. That's what it comes down to. So, so the platform, first and foremost, it's not about me. It's a, it's a speakerphone for others to tell their good news stories and to, to inspire South Africans at the, great, at the same time. My mantra when I started Good Things Guy four years ago was uh, change the narrative of our country. Four years ago, 2015, there was nowhere, nowhere, nowhere where you could go get good news. It was, it was literally um, couldn't be found. And I see you playing with that paper, but that's that's got a whole other story, right? So, Okay, well, let us tell the audience because they can't see what we're doing. No, no, no. Before we, before we get to that, (laughs) I'm going to explain how good things got happened. Because your okay. your point, so <laughs> Carmen's found she's found a a blog that I had a WordPress site. I think it's called BrentLindeQ.wordpress or something. I don't want to give I don't want to give away a stupid address. Yeah, don't word, look at it. Something WordPress. Don't go look at it. It's so bad. But before Good Things Guy and before any any of I, this journey that I've been on for the past couple of years, before that happened, it started in December. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, 2014. I could be lying. Okay. It 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 seems. Pretty- okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go 2014. So so December 2013, uh, there was something that started uh, in Australia. Yeah. And it was sweeping the globe. It was it was literally it was everywhere. You're pointing your finger. You've written this down somewhere. Yeah, I have. <laughs> You've written this down somewhere. So it was sweeping the globe and it was this, this really silly concept um, called neck nominations where people had to drink as much as they possibly could and, and film themselves drinking and doing something stupid. So like, to give you an example, uh, a guy had a, a glass with two goldfish in it and he it's maybe his sister's goldfish <laughs> and he drank the goldfish and then like drank a half bottle of vodka and then nominated other people to do the same. And that's what the vibe was. And people were jumping out of helicopters and, and skateboarding and like just doing stupid things while drinking. And it, millions of people were doing it. I remember this. Yeah. And, and I was watching from the shores of South Africa and I just, you know, I, I'm not scared of drinking. Um, you can find me in a pub on a Friday night, like no problem. It's really easy. But I felt like this was a really big global movement that was using social media as a mechanism to enhance itself. And and I just thought, why why weren't we using that to do good things? Like mm. why why weren't we using that to change the world? Why in a place like South Africa where so many people um, – hungry so many people go go to bed in the streets or in stormwater drains we see so many people begging why aren't we using our social media to rather do good and and um it was a friday i can remember it like yesterday it was a friday i I had all these thoughts going on in my head about the stupid neck nomination thing and i got neck nominated someone (laughs) someone had drank and they pointed at the camera and they'd gone brent you're next and i was like oh good grief like, That's the one thing you didn't want to do. Yeah, what do I do? So I decided 
instead of drinking um, to do so to do a good deed to do a random act of kindness, and and I went and I, I went to the local fruit and veg city or whatever, and, and I bought an extra sandwich, a chocolate, and a coke. And on the way back to the office, I gave my phone to my colleague. You, you bells are going off in your head I now. I think I saw this, yeah. And um, and I fed a homeless person, and I got back to the office, and I edited the first YouTube video that I'd ever uploaded. Back then, there weren't even Facebook videos. I feel like I'm a grandpa. When you I sound that. like uh, Gary V. <laughs> back back <laughs> in the day. So so um yeah, I put up put up a YouTube video. And um, left it. Never thought about it. The, that was my day. That was my Friday. And on the Saturday morning, um, the video had like 150,000 views. What? And there were all these. And back then, like five years ago, that was huge on YouTube. I think 150,000 views on YouTube now is huge, maybe. We participated in the good one. The good one. Yeah, and I'm, and all of a sudden, uh, CNN yeah. and BBC and Sky News and everybody wanted to interview me and everybody wanted to know the story and everybody around the world started doing random acts of kindness instead. Millions of people. It was it was the most amazing thing to watch and huh. the most humbling sure. to see. And it was during that time um, that I realized that, A, I have a voice. You know, my, my dad passed away about 10 years ago, but he used to say, everybody has a story that matters mm. and an opinion that they need to share. Like everybody. And and I think coupled with that, I realized that I have a voice and and I'm able to do good. Like mm. I I changed a global goosebumps. a global game, and I was on radio and TV and all these things, and um, fell in love with the platform. I fell in love with this microphones, telling stories, and and at some point during that crazy, CNN flew people out to do a documentary on me. Oh for my Afri- gosh, for African Voices. It's called African Voices. You, I, mean, oh, I you know could, it. I watched I'm sure on you CNN. Can go, yeah, you can I know. go find it. Um, and, and during that time, I got interviewed by Gareth Cliff on 5FM. And then he left 5FM and he started Cliff Central. And, and I stalked him. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got his details and I, I sat him and, and Rena, Rena Brimberg down, um, station manager. And I just said to them, I'd, I'd really love to do a good news show. I feel like. I feel like it's important. I feel like South Africa doesn't have it. I've never done radio. I know nothing about radio, but I would love to to try this. And they went, cool, you start next week, Tuesday. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> That's soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and then I did. And I had, I had three amazing years there. We did great work, told amazing stories. It, I really got to to highlight the people in South Africa that are doing incredible things. But it was in that time that I also realized that you know, I wanted the stories to live in different platforms. I wanted them to live in different spaces. So, and I loved writing um, at the time. So I started the thing that you have in front of you. So the uh, the Brent Lindeke WordPress. I love this. So I went so to go and do research funny. before, and I was like, "We should revive this thing." You, when I arrived, yeah, you pulled it out. I'm like, "What is that even?" <laughs> Okay, so I went to go and do research because there's so many awards and everything. I just wanted to make sure I've got it all sorted. And um, I found this, the alphabet of kindness, and it just got my attention. And I yeah, started the, reading this is, it. This and is I was a like, great litmus test to see if I'm still the same guy I was in 2015. Yeah, so you haven't seen this now. So I'm going to hand it over to <sighs> you, and I want you to read the alphabet and tell us where you're at. Okay, there if, you go. If I'm the same guy. So, first... Uh, I would I would say the first thing when I look at it straight away is that uh, the editing's awful. <laughs> <laughs> the spa- the spacing is embarrassing. 
Um, and Don't be so hard on yourself. No, there's there's no uh, there's no story there. It literally it doesn't even tell you. It doesn't go. Um, we have crafted an alphabet of kindness. It, it, there's nothing. It but just goes, maybe that's what make it makes it cool. It just goes the alphabet of kindness. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get straight into it. So this is how I guess. See, you need a you need like a pricey so I can tell you. <laughs> it is a list that I've created using the alphabet to give you uh, options to be kind or share kindness or, or or do a random act of kindness. And if we look at them, a adopt an animal. I mean, I, I totally still would, and I want to. I love you know shelter. I nearly adopted a pig over the weekend. No. For real, aren't they too big? Or is it no? It was like ones? a miniature one, and it was <gasps> found in our complex. And the security put a photo up on the group, and I was like, "If no, I would have if no it. one <laughs> claims that, I am taking <laughs> little Miss Piggy home." And unfortunately, it, it belonged to one of my neighbors. So oh, she got it back. Damn. B. Be a big brother or big sister to an at-risk child or teen. Yes, one million percent. Yes. Wow. I think one of the things that I've learned because during this during this journey of good things guy and everything else is um I've got a, I've gotten involved in a lot of charities mm. um plenty so many and and one of the biggest things that I've seen of many one of the one of the challenges that I've seen is that people volunteer seasonally so they'll get a little bug in their tummy that'll make them want to do something good and they'll arrive at an orphanage with the best intent and have lots of goodies to give away and and then the kids never see them again. Mm. And I think um, that could be a, a, an important one is just to to stick your head in every now and then at these orphanages and foster centers and, and be a big brother or big sister or a peer or a mentor to a kid in need. I think it's important. Um, C, create care packs to the homeless. Yes. Oh, yes. that's like a big movement. But yes. the thing is also once like a year, Christmas time. No, this in my there... mind is like to keep in your car. So if you see oh. someone who's homeless, and here's an interesting thing, um, underwear and yeah. socks. Homeless people tend to never, ever, ever get the feeling of wearing crisp, clean, new socks or underwear. I which love is, that. Yeah. So, I mean, and you you can get underwear for pretty pretty cheap. D, donate money, blood, or use books to a local school or library. Because obviously I couldn't choose one of those. So I had to put all of them. <laughs> do it all. Just do it all. I'm, I'm big on blood donation. Um, the country needs it. If you, yeah. if It's an easy way to give back. And you only have to do it once every 52 days, 56 days, 50 something days. It's really, really an easy way to give back. And they give you a cookie or something. Yeah. And then bad. you get like after a couple of years, you get a medal or something. E, encourage someone. You are incredible. Oh, thank you, thank Brains. You. Thank you. So are you. You if, are amazing. If fast food lane, pay for the person's order behind you. That's very sweet. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat much fast food, but I, I would do it. <laughs> I think it's a it's a good app. I do it in a, in a grocery store. Well, the, uh, there, there we go. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Grocery store. G, graffiti cleanup. Because graffiti needs to be cleaned up, apparently, 2015. But what about Banksy? Yeah, no, shame. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Graffiti is so amazing. H, help someone whose car has broken down. I cannot tell you in the past four years how many stories, beautiful stories, amazing stories, we've written about people helping each other when their car car has broken down. And the reality is is why it's such an important thing in South Africa is because we're all too scared to stop. Um, and we exactly should be, we should mind. be like yeah. cr- crime's pretty damn bad, but there's some, some stories that do really, really well where it, it's like interracial where yeah. a 
black guys broken down and two old um farmers Buddha jump out and they help him. Like yeah. it's it's really beautiful stuff that's happened on the site. So that's that's still true. I introduce yourself to someone new that's putting yourself out there and being kind. <laughs> I love that. Jay, join a good cause. You should join a good cause. If you want to join a good cause right now, you can visit um Backabuddy. Oh, I love Backer Buddy. Backer you buddy. know, when my mom had a stroke, I created a Backer Buddy account because we didn't know where to get the money to sort yeah. them out. And just like this, they were there. They made it happen. And we got donations and just yeah. to get us through the first. And here, here's the reality. Amazing. If you, it doesn't have to be hordes of money. If you've got like 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 50 bucks, go into Backer Buddy, find a cause and give it to them. But that show, like... Tell them about the shell guy. The shell guy. Backer buddy. Back that buddy. was backer buddy. Yeah, it was. So th- it's very interesting. The universe works in very mysterious ways. And and we we can judge the country's mood or sentiment mm. by readership and engagement. Mm. Okay? And it's very easy to see. I, I can physically, on, I can log in in the morning and I can tell you where the country's mood is without knowing what's sure. going on in the news. Interesting. Because the news affects our mood. So directly after the elections, we have something I call an election hangover. And the reason for that is instant gratification doesn't exist when it comes to the polls. So it doesn't matter who you voted for. um, You were voting with the power of hope. Mm. You were voting with hope in mind. And you get to the, the polls and then you vote. And there's this beautiful feeling that you're changing the country. And there's people around you that agree with you or disagree with you. And you're all doing it together. And you're all planning this amazing change. And then the, you go to bed. And the next morning you wake up <laughs> and nothing. Nothing's changed. Wow. It's exactly the same. And we all go through this, this lull where we're all just a little bit sad. Because mm-hmm. we were hoping that we would wake up the next day. And there would be less hungry people or there would be less crime or there would be some corrupt official that would be put in prison. But it doesn't work that way. Politics and governance takes time. So the, the couple of weeks after um, the elections, the mood was quite sad. Yeah, it was. And the readership was a bit blah. People were. That's quite incredible insight. We eh? would we would put a story up. There was a security guard in Pretoria who found a thousand three hundred rand in his shopping cart, and and he immediately grabbed the money, um, in the little envelope or whatever, and ran into the car park looking for the old lady that oh. had, and he gave it to her. And we wrote the story and we put it up, and the response, majority of the response, was that it could not be true, <gasps> impossible. Impossible no. because the sentiments of the country were so negative that we didn't believe that a good thing could happen like that, right? So then, then this woman was in in Cape Town on her way to the city of Cape Town from I think Paul, and she was running low on fuel and she pulled into the shell and she got to the shell and um, her tank was on red or whatever and uh, she said to the guy, "Don't fill up yet. I just need to make sure that I have my my purse with me," and and he sort of looked at her and she then said, I don't have my purse on me. Don't worry. I'll make it to Cape town. It's not a problem. Not a problem at all. And this guy, something in his tummy said to him, no, like this is not the way that this is going to play out today. You're a woman. If your car breaks down on the side of the road, no one's going to stop for you. Mm. And, and then what, what happens then? What Mm. if something worse happens? Mm. So I'm going to give you a hundred bucks. I'm going to fill up your tank. Sure. And you, when you come back later this afternoon or whatever, you can draw money, you can get your purse tomorrow and you can pay me back. 
And she was just so blown away by this man's kindness. I think she cried at, at the petrol pump just because the human side was there. Mm. And she said to him, okay, fine, but take my name and number. And he said, no, I trust you. And, oh. I, know, and I know you'll come back. I, I can see you're going to come back. Whatever reason, the universe, God, something has told me to do this and, and I need to do it. And I, and I think um, his story and what happened next uh, was – the world intervening because South Africa needed it. Mm. We needed a really, really good news story yeah. about a guy just being a gentleman and helping a woman. And she left and she put a post up on Facebook and the post went viral. And then the next day she put a backer buddy up. She returned to the petrol station to give him his hundred rand back. And then she told him, and also I've just raised 10,000 rand on backer buddy. And then 10,000 rand in a couple of hours became a hundred thousand rand. And then 100,000 Rand became 500,000 Rand. Oh, I which, love um, it. Which he, he, she then had this half a million Rand. And, and she said, went and visited him again and gave everybody an update that, that she's going to hand over the money. And he said he's going to take some of that money and give it to charity because he believes that the kids in, sure. his, in his community need to be looked after. And Shell went, no, you will not give any of that money to charity. We're going to give you half a million Rand for There's charity. There's so much controversy around that now, actually, when you're explaining it. I'm like, what they actually did was good. Yeah. So he was going to use his own money for charity. And then they said, no, we'll give you half a million rand to give to charity. That other half a million rand is yours. Do something with it. Buy a house. Look after yourself. And immediately that story went super uber viral and it changed the mood of South Africa. All of a sudden we believed in good again. I love and we, it. we, the readers were also positive and everybody was engaged and it was beautiful to watch from our side. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was oh, we were remarkable. Still, we're going down this list now, man. Now we've, <laughs> we've lost the list. I can talk for days. Okay, so K, K is um, keep it kind with someone you don't like. Boo! Yeah, yes, that's still me. <laughs> oh, you said booyah, say it again. Booyah. There you go. <laughs> um, that's still me because, you know, there'll always be people in your life that may not like you. Mm. Or you don't like them, or there's some sort of controversy, and you can just keep it cool. You know, you, you know, amicable. You don't hate, hates. You carry hate for someone's heart. You go nowhere. Um, L, so true. listen to a friend who needs someone to talk to. Yes, we should do that. M, make a new friend. This is all about friends in the last three months. Obviously, I wasn't being. There was a creative. phase happening there. Wasn't being creative. <laughs> N, nursing home performance. Huh. How bad is my writing? I'm I'm literally I'm literally saying you should go visit a nursing home. Okay. But in, in not as many words. Which is actually a very, very true fact. Yeah. In old age homes, because old you know how home. neglected these old people are, hey. It's yep. so sad. I wish there was more stories there. Oh, offer to babysit for free. If you wanna Oh God, no. If you wanna <laughs> P prepare or pick up a meal for a new mom, someone who is grieving <gasps> or someone who is sick. That I must is tell nice. you, I yeah. I've got a friend um, and she lost, lost her child when he was very, very little uh, to cancer. And one of the, the greatest things during that terrible time was, and she still will talk about how everybody just dropped off meals so, so that she didn't have to worry about anything. She could literally, she could cry all day and she didn't have to cook for her husband or her other kid. Everybody got to eat and it was a blessing in disguise. So I think that's a huge one, a uh, massive cue. Quality time with a loved one. Yes. Always. Always. 
call to action phone your mom your dad a loved one or a peer right now pause this podcast <laughs> phone them right now it's important r read to children for free at local school or the elderly that's important yeah s send flowers okay i mean you can t thank someone <laughs> thank someone such as the police or fire department so important tell us more they never get thanks ever when the Lisbon fires happened in the middle of Joburg CBD. Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, the firefighters um, were brought to the forefront of our, our news. And we realized how heroic they are, how brave they are, and how uh, dangerous their jobs are. And all of a sudden, people were flooding to go to fire stations just to thank them. It became this like beautiful thing. And I, I think we forget um, how they put their lives on the line. Mm. Um, I got to interview some of the, the firefighters. They were in the hospital when I interviewed them. And it was absolutely tragic what they had to go through. And the only reason they were doing it is to protect the city so that the fire doesn't break out into and one person pass away. Loads. Yeah. Loads. So what had actually happened is is the building um, was old and the, the water was not working internally. So they're trained to, to put fires out. And um, they, they run up the stairs. I think this was on like the 27th floor, something stupid. Sure, they all, as a team, ran up the stairs, and, and then they couldn't get into the floor because the floor had security measures. So the security had to put a code in to open the doors. They got into the floor. The doors closed behind them. They then went to the water pipes. They trained. They know it's going to be okay. They're going to plug this in. The water's going to come out. It's all going to be good. They plugged it in. There was no water. <sighs> Um, then they started going to the different points in the building on that floor to try and get water because they thought maybe it was just that pipe. What had happened is there was no water in the whole building. And during that time, the blaze just got bigger and bigger and bigger. The fire was both coming from the floor and the ceiling mm. and, and the smoke started um, closing in on the room. Um, they couldn't get out because the security doors were closed and all these firefighters were then stuck on, on this floor and um, the first person who passed away, hero, um, he took off his, they, they took off their gloves because they couldn't see anymore and they were scraping their hands against the wall to try to find glass so that they could try to break the glass. And uh, the first person who broke the glass, um, the backdraft pulled him out. And the firefighter that I interviewed, oh he said God. that that, that air, that the suction would have been over like 300 kilometers an hour that sucked him out. It's just so because of the airflow. And that was the first person that died. He got pulled out. Um, but he broke the wind for that building and the other firefighters were able then to break other glass to reach the balconies on the balconies. Um, they all dealt with the, I'm getting a lump in my throat. They all dealt with the fact that they were going to die that this was it. And they started phoning their loved ones while sitting on the balcony. Like this is the, the building is going to burn down. We're not going to get out of here. This is the end. Um, and they were phoning all their loved ones. And, and I mean, I imagine you've just watched, watched your colleague fall. Like it's just, mm. it's absolutely tragic. And, um, and then the firefighters uh, got into that floor. They had other water that they'd popped in or something had happened that they'd, they were able to put the fire out. But the guys that I interviewed had three third degree burns all over their hands because of they were feeling the walls trying to get out. And, um, I've got it on, I've got it on video. I, I must, actually, I must I'm send not... it to you, but, uh, the, the gent who I interviewed, <sighs> he said to me, uh, can't wait to get better. Can't wait for his hands to get better because he just wants to get back on that truck and look after the city. Oh my God. Yeah. 
So thank you, firefighters. Like they, they work in really, really, really tough circumstances and they're super, super brave. I'm sorry if I made that a little sad. No, but it's true. It's, it's true. true story. So true. So that was T. Uh, you use less plastic. <laughs> yes, drastically. Drastically. Lo- lo- and this was in 2015. You see, you're a prophet. You know, I think young, you. I think your your book should be called Mustard Seeds. I think you planted the seeds. seeds. Mustard seeds. We <laughs> visit housebound family members. I don't have a housebound family member, but obviously it was in my mind at the time. W, write a letter to someone who made a difference in your life. Oh, good. I wrote a letter to my favorite, favorite, favorite teacher from Standard oh. 2. She lives in the UK. I wrote her a letter. That's where that comes from. How cute is that? X. Express your gratitude to your parents. Ah, I already said phone your parents. So if you have parents, peers, any loved ones, do it again. And all of you listening, do it. Do it. Why a yard sale and then donate all the proceeds to a local charity? Nice. Um, Zed, zealously love your family and friends. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's an okay list for young brains. But you can, you can, you can rewrite this. I mean, I, I'm taking this list with me. Yeah, I think it's time. And it's time to rewrite the alphabet of kindness. And tag me in. I will tag you in. Tag me in. So I'm going to ask the weirdest question. Who was the first person you told, I'm going to start the good things guy? Well, I, you know, I think it was a progression, right? Because I already had like my little radio show and I was already writing a little bit on the side, like wordpressing, blogging, whatever you call that. So the the first real post of the story and the reality and the the tangible good things guy, the first real post that I put on the first Facebook page that I um, started, created, was my cousin down in Cape Town. And she put up a post that morning, like the news was just so, ugh, it was everywhere you looked, it just felt like the world was ending. And um, she put up a post going, aren't we the luckiest country in the world? I'm a woman. I get maternity leave. I get this. I get that. And she listed all these things that she could just be thankful for in that Mm -hmm. moment. And I was like, a lot of people need to see that. And I started the Facebook page and I put a photo up of her, a bad photo. She's still angry, <laughs> angry about it today. Put a photo I up, get that. Put a photo up of her and, <laughs> and then I put the little, the little quote of what we should be thankful for. And that was the first, like the first story. I didn't really write it, but it was the first story that I put up. I love that. Has people ever thought that you're unrealistic? Like- All the time. Is it? All okay. the time. So the, the problem is I'm overly optimistic. I'm incredibly happy. And I'm, I, like I'm generally quite, I'm in a good mood 99% of the time. That's and, true. And, um, <laughs> and what that means is, is other people t- might not um, appreciate it. They, you know, the, the world is surreal and there's real troubles and real sadness and, mm. and real hardships. Um, so, yeah. How did you keep it alive? Because so many people tried this. Do you think so? Yeah, people try and then like they give up. And so I think uh, the biggest thing for me is I'm obsessive compulsive badly. Yeah. Um, and and I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. For four years, I've woken up at half past five every morning, and it doesn't matter what I did the night before. It doesn't matter if I went out jolling and got home at two. I wake up <laughs> at half past five and I work. And, um, I, I mean, I, I touched on it briefly that I get to travel since that first America trip, 
I've traveled the world twice over and I've been able to do amazing things and see incredible countries. But a couple of weeks ago, I was on a cruise. I was on a cruise for two I weeks. I know, I was so jealous. Celebrity <laughs> cruises of all things. And I, I, saw, I saw like seven different countries in two weeks, but I woke up every morning at Hoppers 5 and worked. I didn't, right. it, didn't, it didn't stop me. Um, and I think that's, that is one of the reasons is that I'm passionate. Um, I am uh, consistent. I love what I do. And I think more than anything, the stories matter. Mm. So I think a lot of people have, have uh, they love the site because the stories matter and they, they want to, they want to hear more. They want to read more. It really is not about me. It's about the stories. Mm. And he's, I saw something jetty. Uh, what is his name? Uh, I can't remember. His, um, Jay Chetty. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying that cause he used to be a Buddhist and then he does all these good, you know, stories and, and show you how to live a better fulfilled life. And one of the things that he says is this element of gratitude is that when you have gratitude, you can't be sad, you can't be anxious, you can't be any of those things. And I yeah. think that's what you exude is, well, is I, complete I'm, gratitude. Yeah, I am. I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for every single opportunity that I'm given. I'm grateful for every um, every opportunity that I create for myself. I'm grateful for people that read my sites. I'm grateful for the awards that I get. I'm grateful for the stories that get sent to us. I'm grateful that I'm able to to do what I love every day. Um, and I'm humbled by the fact that people still wake up and tune in. Incredibly humbled. I think it's amazing. I, I mean, like, it really, um, it's just such a good thing that you're doing. And I, I've always wondered, like, have you ever gone back and said, okay, right, I want to follow up on some of the stories that's touching oh, yeah, you the most. Yeah, 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 yeah. You should make a documentary about it. Uh, you know, I'd love to. One, one of the first stories in that time that I put Tyler's thing out there is a guy by the name of Andy Loughton. Andy Loughton has got a project in Somerset West where he decided instead of just feeding homeless people from his soup kitchen, he wanted to give them dignity back. So he, the one morning people arrived there to get their meals and he went, nah, today you're going to work. Today, you're going to take this garbage bag and you're going to go clean Somerset West. And if you come back with one full bag um, of rubbish, uh, you can have a meal. If you come back with two, you can have a meal and a jersey. So he like, created oh. this whole bartering system. And we wrote that story and it did really well and people loved it and they thought it was a, it is a great idea. I it's love fantastic. It. And I followed up with him. Him and I keep in contact. Um, he's such a great guy. And uh, I followed up a follow-up story about two years later and he'd created his own currency in Somerset West. And the reason for that is because he didn't want to work with money where people could use it for alcohol and drugs. Ah. Um, so he created his own coins. Uh, I think it's called the Helderfontein coins. And he's now got accommodation. There's You can go work in the vegetable garden. You can work in the charity shop. Oh my um, gosh. You can go clean. Like there's a whole system, this ecosystem that he's created. And yeah, following up on stories is cool. It's cool to see see the goodness afterwards and the good things just oh, grow. What a great story. I love mm, it. Very cool. Um, if people want to send you good stories, where, where do where do they send it to? So easy. So, I mean, you can contact us on Facebook and send it through there, but the easiest, easiest, easiest is info, I-N-F-O at goodthings with an S guy.com. Okay. So we're going to put that in the show notes below. So, I've had such an amazing time with you. I'm like, I wish we could stay here forever and talk. How long has but it been? It's like almost an hour and say 10 minutes, I think. Good grief. But I hope that it's inspired you for your book. 
and um, give, given you some things to think about. And um, I'm very excited. I'm going to be the first person to interview you when the book is written. Yeah. And I'm going to be the one that is going to make sure the whole world knows about it. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank in you. tradition, we play a game. Okay. With a ticker. 10 questions. And you have to try and answer all of them in one minute. Okay. And they are a Where bit are the crazy. Questions? I'm just going to go. Okay. So when you're ready, on your marks, <clears throat> get set, go. What is the sexiest name you've ever heard and it's not Brent? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. What are the three items you could buy together at a grocery store to make somebody laugh? Uh, condoms, um, uh, cream, and peppermints. <laughs> What is the worst meal you've ever cooked? Oh, uh, worst meal. I burnt lasagna once. Okay. What would be the coolest animal to scale up to the size of a horse? To be the size of a horse? Yeah. Um, a dog. <laughs> if you were ever arrested with no ex- explanation, what would your friends and family think you've done? They would think that I maybe... What do you get arrested for? Crashed into someone? Can you, can you get arrested for crashing into someone? No, I'm a good driver. I don't even know. <laughs> okay. If money doesn't grow on trees, then why do, why do banks have branches? <laughs> <laughs> so clear. That was so difficult. <laughs> what are the unwritten rules of where you work? The unwritten rules of where I work? Mm-hmm. You're going to get me talking again. But we, we had a... No, I can't, tell even, it, tell, I can't tell, even. I can't even repeat this. You can. Can't even repeat it. It's a secret. It's a secret society. I can't let that out. It's too secret. It's too secret. I'm serious. Like, you can't do this to the audience. Well, the audience is going to have to just wait for my book to come out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what superpower do you wish you had? I wish that I had time travel. I would Everybody love- wants that. Yeah, you know, and it's it's not because of regrets. It's not to change anything. It would be really, really cool to see my dad again. I think that's I, I that, that would be cool. Yeah. What is the best book you've ever read? Best book I've ever read: A Million Little Pieces by James Frey. Okay. Last one. If you had a one-way ticket to go to Mars, what three things would you take with you? Uh, I would take my contact lenses so that I yeah. could see. <laughs> I would take a photo album of all my photos so that I can remember. And um, I would take a very big notepad and a pen so that I could write. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. We need to go back to the first question. What is the sexiest name that I've ever heard? The sexiest name. Oh, wow. Um, Jean-Paul. No, Jean-Paul's very sexy. (laughs) But I was like, I've got a friend and she's Serbian and her name is Davorka. Oh my God, that is, that is very, very cool. Yeah. The bonus question was, if, if, if Survivor approached you to be on, on the Survivor show, would you do it? Uh, so there's a yes and a no there. There's a yes and a no there. Um, I was going to do it. After, really? after my kitchen rules. Yeah, I was going to do it. And then, um, and then I just realized that I'm not, like, I, I would either... No, I wouldn't. He's a good things guy. Yeah. You can't blindside people. No, it would be too difficult. And the, the nice guys never finish. Lo- like they finish last. No, they don't. They finish first. They get them off. They're like, get the nice guy off. We need someone entertaining and we need to connive and, and steal. And, yeah. Oh my God. That was really tough. That 10 questions, but I like it. That's very cool. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. And, um, 
for all of you guys. We'll drop it very soon in the Murray Den. And uh, thank you very much. And be good to one another. Bye. You've been listening to The Carmen Murray Show, another solid gold podcast. Please take a moment to rate and share this episode with friends and colleagues who love customer experience and marketing just as much as you do. To connect with Carmen, visit CarmenMurray.com, where you will find links to her business services, future fit events, and biz community articles. Carmen Murray is CEO of Ouya Modern Marketing Services that empower businesses to deliver premium customer experiences, B2B, B2C, and B2B2C across all industries. Some of these services include research, CX strategy, persona development and customer journey mapping, CX audits, UX audits, and the connected marketer training in connected customer experiences, mobile, data management, and AI. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.